Hey, we're Damn the Wolves. I'm Jody. I'm Brett. I'm Rick. And you're listening to Now That's What I Call Damn Good Music. The podcast. Step out the front door like a ghost into a fog, where no one notices the contrast of white on white. And in between the moon and you, the angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. <laughs> is that the best lyrical start to an album ever? Yes. Stunning, isn't it? Yes, it that's is. That's right. So today we're talking about August and Everything After, the debut album from Counting Crows. Released on September the 14th, 1993, produced by the legendary T-Bone Burnett, who was Bob Dylan's guitar player. Is that right, Rick? Yes, yes, he was. I never uh, knew that. Yeah, and also produced some fantastic albums. Uh, How many copies do we reckon this one sold? Oh, it's not going to be mental numbers, is it? It's not going to be like all those big albums ever. 15, 15 million. 10. 10 million. Is it? No way. Yeah, 10 million. Oh, do I win something? No. Uh, so, getting straight into the album, Round Here. Amazing. Love, I, well, probably a bit of a disclaimer to start with. I love, love, love this album. It's one of my favourite albums ever. So, I'm going to be really over the top about everything on it. But I think we're all pretty fond of this album, aren't we? In fact, we need to be aware of this because we're all big Counting Crows fans. So, we need to make sure we don't just talk about Counting Crows for hours and hours on end here. And we're going to try and keep it relevant to this album, aren't we? And Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Round here. Round here. Uh, I, I, I think it's the best lyrical start to an album. Definitely. Um, I think Adam Duritz's voice is incredible in this song and for the whole album. And I'll probably say that like a hundred times. And you know, I always come out with figures and oh, facts that I'm never sure whether they're true or not. But this might be true and might not be true. Did Adam Duritz win a, or did the band win a Grammy for a lyrical performance for this or vocal performance for this song? Was it specifically mm, this song? I'm not sure. Well, they might have, or I might have made that up. I know that this was the f- this was the first song that really projected the album. Oh, okay. Think, yeah, they performed this on Saturday Night Live. Not um, Mr. Jones. No, everyone thinks it was Mr. Jones. Mr. But... Jones is well down the list. If you look at their the most successful songs, it's like fourth or fifth. Is down. it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was round here that they played on Saturday Night Live. And it was that performance that, like, the album was, like, 400 in the charts or something. And then it just went up and up and up and up and up until it got to number two. Never went to number one in America. No way. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's just something very, very amazing how he delivers the story, isn't it? In in the way that he, is the melodies, is everything. It's just, I, I, I'm trying to think of it the other day, how to, how to describe how how you get sucked into the song and what what it is about it but he just has this amazing way of just drawing you into the song and and the story and how the song evolves it's just um beautiful in in every way i think i think it's the lyrics and I, for me the the tone of his voice is just fantastic absolutely fantastic throughout the whole album but this song in particular yeah just yeah, uh, yeah lyrics delivery and the, and the one phrase that really is my favorite phrase in this song is when he sings something radiates at the end oh, of that first yeah. chorus oh, yeah. and his note choice is just perfect and I'd, the tone is just yes yeah, perfect i'd find it hard to pick moments from well any of it because i love it all but yeah just oh, you know it's just and... when you have like a standout line or a standout phrase and you just think oh that's just Oh, there's Perfection. so many for me in every song on the album. There's so many. I could, every line I natter on about for ages. I'm also a big fan of Matt Malley's bass playing in this song. Yes, uh, uh, I'm Matt Malley in general. I, and obviously, I listen to I listen to this album a lot. It's not one I've gone back to listen to. I listen, I love this album. And it's 
it is still an all-time face so i listen to it quite frequently but um i listened to it this week thinking if we're doing this today i'll have a listen to it and that's as always it's just like i forgot how great his bass playing was in like every song yeah his his note choice it's his, subtle isn't it it's subtle yeah. but really clever oh, it fits perfectly but it's interesting if you just yeah. focus on him he's not just going oh that'll do he's really thinking about it and just yeah great i really man. like his tone as well it's yeah, it's a, different it's a really isn't it? soft tone is that a short scale bass i think it is and i think he he plays with his fingers on the whole right up on the neck so it's really it's really soft yeah, I, I love his playing. And the other thing that stood out, listening back to it and thinking, oh, what, you know, can I notice anything new that I've not heard on the million times I've listened to the album, was um, Charles Charlie Gillingham's um, piano and organ playing. Just, per- well, I mean, they all play brilliantly on it, but that's something that I just thought, I'd, yeah, really noticed this time. Yeah. Great. And um, Another favourite part for me in this song is the, is the breakdown. Yeah. Um, and I... I, uh, I, whenever I listen to it now, sorry, I was tripping over my words. Then, whenever <laughs> I listen to it now, I always think of all the countless live versions I've heard, where he'll put an ad lib in, yeah, and yeah. start singing a different song. Um, I was going to talk about that because great. the live versions of this are, are epic, aren't they? They are. There's one. I don't know if we can. I know. I know what it. you're thinking. It's Rock Am Ring, 2002. Oh, it's the one he, where he's he wearing does, an orange shirt. That's right. Yeah, and he, and he does uh, come pick me up by Ryan Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you just believe every word he's saying. It's so good. But what makes it even more poignant is the the footage is grainy and it's not brilliantly shot. It's in bright daylight and the crowd are you know, it's a big crowd, but they're a little apathetic and it just yeah. almost makes it more memorable and poignant. Oh, I love yeah. that. I'm gonna watch that again later. Yeah, and and as the song comes to its conclusion and his you know his vocals are a bit stronger. Uh, the line she's always on my mind yeah, is yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant and then and then we stay up very very late the tone is just brilliant yeah any thoughts Brett just just for me from a, a drum perspective it's like how they managed to to produce it in a way where you just serve the song isn't it it's all about the lyric and about the the poetry of the voice and it's like how can you as a band let Adam Durrett sort of deliver the songs and and the way that the drums are produced and and what's taken out as opposed to adding i think is genius and they like this song i think the drums come in the second verse and they drop the snare drum note and you said every other time and it it gives you that real movement where you the the melody sort of like moves around and the drums are just there serving it and as the song evolves they just become a little bit busier and just so clever it's one of the most inspiring albums for me that took me on a journey to to learn what not to play when I play drums as opposed to putting too much work in. Yeah. Well, while we're in a, a drum moment, I was talking about the drums. I, f- I find the drums in this album quite unusual. The sound, uh, the snare drum's quite high. It, uh, that was a bit of an early 90s thing, wasn't it? I know some of the Pearl some of, stuff. Some and... of the sounds, the snare drum sounds, I, I question on this, they, almost like, yeah, cranked up and why would they do that? And But I it's don't... different. It, it has a real personality about it, doesn't it? Yeah. And the drums are... I know you said what not to play, but I find in places they're quite busy and not what you expect. And because uh, throughout the album, the guitars are quite sparse. I think it's it's quite interesting how groovy the drums are, how busy they are when they could be more percussive or more just taking a back seat. I find interesting. them, and they're mixed quite up front, I think. but Yeah, and quite, not dry, but there's a lot of natural sounds about it, isn't it? I think they, they use natural reverbs, they use rooms where... They didn't sort of process the sound, so they they sound really organic. It's um, interesting you said that because I know that's um, 
we've talked about this as, as a band before about the big houses and them recording in big houses for their first certainly three albums um it it to me i can't hear the room reverbs on it i can't hear a room it sound the album sounds like it's recorded quite dry to me oh really yeah i don't i can't hear the rooms it's subtle reverbs that might be but, me mm. i think it was i know that the next two albums were recorded in big houses weren't they so they were bigger sounding bigger rooms yeah I forgot to put my phone on silent. That's really bad, isn't it? Uh, um, and another thing of note, which is interesting to, to what you were saying there, Brett, about them being sparse. This song was actually a, a song by the band The Himalayans, which Adam Duritz was a part of, and obviously wrote the song. And the, the songwriters on this song are members of The Himalayans. Wow. And uh, at the time, they were... I'm going to sound like a right right nerdy <laughs> Adam Duritz fan. <laughs> At the time he was in, when when Counting Crows started, he was already in two other bands. And one of them was the Himalayans, and they were doing much better than Counting Crows. Counting Crows was just like a coffee coffee shop, him and Dave Bryson thing. I uh, never knew it this. It was all acoustic. But this was one of the songs that was on the original demo. And the original version is very, is much busier. Is it? It's darker, but it's much more kind of like the Cure and Roxy music. And that's... That's counter sign that's uh, kind of like their the original band sound. And it was Adam Juritz that that wasn't happy with how they sounded because he didn't feel like they really fitted anywhere. How did he deliver the vocal on that original band then? Was it the same kind it's of It's kind of similar, but the music around it made the song feel different. Mm. So okay. it was him that actually said, you know, this I think we should go for this kind of acoustic, yeah, sparse kind of feel for Counting Crows. So glad he did, because it's a... Uh... What? A magic piece of work. While we're talking about you being nerdy about it, which I can't tease you about because I am as well, but you've met Adam Duritz and the whole band, haven't you? <laughs> I have. Because you were a super hang, fan. Hanging by the stage door. <laughs> 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 oh, we, we'll not go into that. <laughs> How was he? He was good, yeah. Yeah, they, he was. Um, he's quite a shy person, I think. So he's he he, he was never overly chatty to anyone that, that I saw him talking to. But um, the other band members were, were very friendly, yeah. Nice bunch. Yeah. And we, we've all seen them, well, you've seen them quite a lot, haven't you, Jodie? I've certainly yeah. seen them several times. Amazing live. Mm. Yep. Yeah, in fact, one of my favourite all-time gigs ever is them at, uh, what's it called, Brixton Academy in yep. London. Yeah. They're a great venue, great gig, just a perfect gig. Just you brilliant. see, the thing that sticks in my head about that gig is when Brett fell out with somebody <laughs> in the traffic. I don't, I don't think that stands out. That happens, but most well, no, times we're in a those, car together, doesn't it? Was that over Westminster Bridge or something? It was somewhere like that, and then somebody shouted at you, and you ended up just doing your window up really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they got out of the car when they were rushing towards me, and yeah. we're like, just do one. Yeah. <laughs> was that that? Yeah. Oh, I remember that happened. I didn't realise it was that. Uh, anyway, Brilliant. look, we're, we're getting off track. Um, so around here... Amazing start to an album. Yep. On to Omaha. Now, oh, sorry, I jumped straight in there you really did. quickly, didn't I? Sorry. Cue jumper. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking about this and the time it came out, because I came to this album not when it came out, a little bit later and came back to it. We can talk about that in a bit. Um, and I was thinking about what was around and what was big at the time, because it was the real grunge movement in kind of rock and, and guitar bands, wasn't it? And this song for me kind of like is the complete, not polar opposite, but the really contrasting against all the Nirvanas, the Pearl mm-hmm. Jams, the the grunge thing that was going on at that time. It's really, you know, it is it is the band, isn't it? And it's really kind of acoustic-y. It's a very sparse recording, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
The demo isn't. Isn't it? No. Now, the, the demo sounds like a Cure, and there's a lot of guitar in it. The drums are heavier. In this, in this particular song? Yep. Interesting. I read a review of a Counting Crows gig by someone once who said their audience is, a, is like a 50-50 mix of um, people either in Pearl Jam t-shirts or people wearing jumpers that applaud every time someone gets an accordion out. <laughs> and this song's great is the accordion side, yeah, of, side yeah. of them isn't it yeah but th- again I'm, I'm going to talk about drums but just you can't this the groove in this song is the first thing you ever learn when you learn to play drums it's the most simplest thing but when it's delivered the way it is against the song it just works absolutely brilliant and i sit there and it's i just find it absolutely fantastic you can just be brave enough to play that simple and and for it to work so well um how good is the Tom accent in the chorus? Oh, yeah. It's just like perfectly yep. placed, isn't perfectly it? Perfectly placed. Yep. I know. Really clever. I wonder who I wonder who has that, you know, whether it's a, a, the drummer that comes up with that or whether the producer said, you know, I hear that. I wonder. I always love to know these little bits of yeah. genius in, in an album, like a, a, a note that's played. You think, who, who, who wrote that? Who, who came well, up with that? That's part of the mystique, isn't it? You'll never know no. what you might do. They might tell you in an interview, but it's quite nice listening to it going, I don't know, it's just... But yeah. a, a beautiful song. It's great. So next is um, Mr. Jones, isn't it? It is. So yeah, so my story with Counting Crows, until I met you guys, Mr. Jones is the only, sort of, that was the only song that I could relate to Counting Crows because it was... A, around sort of that time, probably 95, 96, that I remember that. I think there was a band I went to see covering it, and I was like, oh, this is a great song. And until I met you guys and we sort of talked about what we love and, and that I didn't really become a fan of Counting Crows. The Counting um, Crows nerds. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad we did because, I mean, it's, you know, it's been the mass- massive part of my life for the last God knows how many years. But yeah, a, Again, a this, uh, this was a Himalayan song. Okay. Adam's other band. And it was written, co written with Marty Jones, who was in the Himalayans, who is Mr. Jones. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it's the Mr. Jones and me. It was him and Marty sat at the bar. And it's it's basically sort of saying how they both dreamed of being rock stars. He wanted to be Bob Dylan. Mr. Jones wanted to be someone a little more funky. It's, um, I've heard Adam Jewett talk about this with people trying to work out what it's about or who Mr. Jones is. Yeah. Have you, you heard the one where he said that someone asked him once if it was about him talking to his, you know, um, uh, what's the right word I can use on Gentleman's this? Gentleman's bits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so polite. <laughs> his, his tallywhacker. <laughs> Gentleman's bits. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look back at the lyrics, you just think, uh, yeah, I can see where someone was coming from with that. Brilliant. But, oh, this song's amazing. So I, I'll tell you how I got got into Canton Crush, right? And, I'm really keen for this not to be a theme, but there was a girl. Um, there's always a girl. Was she in a car at a parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, just before she took all her clothes off. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> um, oh, dear. There's a, there was a girl, um, Emma, she was called, and um, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was certainly after the album was out and said, there's this song. I love this song called Mr. James. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she said, I've got to play it. You play it. And, uh, so, of course, because I, like, I liked her, I, was, I listened to the song, I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. it's great. And I remember listening to the thing, and I really loved the song, but finding it a bit like, it's really expecting distorting guitars, distorted guitars to kick in in the chorus, and it to do the, mm. the quiet, loud thing that Nirvana were doing so much at that time in the 90s thing, and it didn't. And I found that really refreshing, but a little bit like, 
oh, that wasn't what I thought the course was going to be, but loving it and wanting to love it because I, I liked her and wanted to be a fan. <laughs> and so it was that song. And then through that song, and she said, oh, you've got to hear the album. The album's great. So of course I did and went off and, and got the album straight away. And then for me, as a as a music fan and, and heavily into music, this, I think I, I can say this was the first album that really I connected with on an emotional level certainly lyrically and everything that up until this album really hit me in a in a way different than any other music to that point had just so connected with it i think that says a lot about adam Juritz's lyrics and the way he he um he sings them yeah the emotion he pours into yeah. he he can sing anything and make you believe it yeah more importantly did you snogger <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like we've only got half the story. Oh uh, yeah, we'll leave it at half the story. I think we'll yeah, uh, yeah, we'll leave we'll leave that there. It's <laughs> a simple question. We'll leave that there. I still know her. Let's leave that. I can't there. believe you gave us a name. Well, they <laughs> give you a surname. Um, <laughs> another another great bass part in this song. Yeah, nothing obvious about the way what he's playing or the way he's playing it. It's just really tasteful. It's brave to keep everything so clean, isn't it, in this song? It's like you're talking about, you know, expecting that kind yeah, of pretty guitar. Yeah, but I, I kind of think that's what Adam Juritz was trying to go for, though, because yep. they originally they were they were sounding like a lot of other bands. Yeah. And, and by doing what they did, and they cleaned up the sound and kept it sparse, it made them sound different to everything else that was going on. Yeah, no, definitely. Murder, well, I don't know, that's at the end of the album, we'll talk about it, but that's similar, isn't it? It's a, a bit, kind of a moving song that's pushing along and you're thinking it's going to get to that dirtier chorus and it just stays kind of clean but moves along it doesn't need it doesn't does it? need it they don't, so, they don't need the loud guitars to have impact well you read the track listing like Jody Reed's a set list then for a moment <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, Perfect Blue Buildings oh love it the vocal in this the delivery of the vocal I think is just you see I, I heard a really good story about this whether it's true or not I don't know um, they've been working on it for ages and ages and it, it was getting to the point where they were all getting a little bit disillusioned with it Right, and Adam Juritz is, you know, he's, he's getting fed up. So he sat in the corner, and that's how he re- he tracked the lead vocal. What sat, sat down? down in the corner? I didn't know that. Just really kind of disillusioned with how it was going, the recording of this song. Wow! So but all I think that you emotion kinda, you hear, yeah. you can kind of hear that. It's, it's, it does kind of sound downbeat, doesn't it? His his vocal on this. Mm. I love this song. Such a great song. I love the I love every song, and I love the lyrics to all of them. So I'm going to say that with every song. But, yeah. <laughs> This one, yeah, great. And the, the mood drop from Mr. Jones into this, just as a... We don't get album. You don't listen to albums quite the same way, do you? Not what, as the, they were in the 90s, certainly. But this perfectly, the track listing from Mr. Jones into this, just brilliant. Clever yeah. use of brushes as well as with the drums on this, or hot rods, something like that. I think it's brushes, but a, a nice dynamic change. Which is... I'm a big fan of the second verse in this song. I don't know what it is about me in second verses, but... This this song's got a great second verse. Maybe it takes you a while to adjust. It's four thirty. Well, it usually starts to yeah, just yeah. starts to revolve at that point, doesn't it? You just start to feel it, the mood of the song just growing a little bit, and it just starts to take you in a slightly different place. Yeah. I think I think you might be right. It's the lyric four thirty a.m. on a Tuesday. There's, there's a bit of Leonard Cohen about that as well. Yeah. But I, don't worry, I'm not going there. I won't. I won't subject uh, you. Uh, back and to fun that. fact for you, uh, this is Adam Jewett's favourite song on this album. Is it? It is. I did not wow. know that either. Yeah. You know everything, Jody. <laughs> I could go on mastermind. I love you, I Adam. I, I, <laughs> I think I had a dangerous obsession with this band at one point. So when, I'm trying when, to get out of when it. you were by the stage door. Yeah, and, and delving back into these songs is is probably not healthy for me. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. Uh, Anna begins is next. Oh, oh, amazing! Love it. So, 
Uh, where do you start with this? Um, I think the drum beat. I think the the, the drum beat in this song. I, oh, I God, give us the drum beat. Can you do it? Can you play it? You got your sticks there. Can I play it? Oh, guys, put me on the spot. You there's did something it to about, me. There's something about the the way that you again dropping notes is that that resting that bass drum note and having that space to let everything else around it kind of. I, I, hang on a minute. You're making Jody and I feel better about being nerdy now. Hang on, hang on. Let me just see if I can do this. It's just that note where you it's drop sparse, that. isn't oh. it? Yeah, that that note missing, and it, you just it makes you melt. And I learned so much from when when I started listening to this album, and it really changed my whole way and approach to playing. I mean, the stuff that we play is more energetic, but it's still when we work on songs and we arrange songs, I I always start from the most least delivery you can give it, and then add when it's needed. And I think that's a real good thing for anyone to, to you take sometimes end up back there again as well <laughs> <laughs> and and this this song is the the first verse is pretty much just drums and vocals isn't it it's oh it's just so lovely amazing for me i think this song for me it's the lyrics that oh, they say that for every song but this song lyrically is just it's just perfect i th- i think this is probably my favorite um vocal on the whole album really okay a- as a song you know th- there's bits in other songs that i absolutely love but as an entirety, this this vocal performance is, I think he just nails it, absolutely mm-hmm. nails it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd find it hard to choose my favourite singing or vocal performance on the album because I, I love them all. I, yeah, I couldn't, I don't think I could. Yeah, oh, and it's, it's, you know, I love everything on it, but it's just listening to it as, we, as I have been this week, um, I, I really sort of thought, yeah, he really nails that, really, really nails it. I think it's, it's the sweetness in the lyrics in this song that I like, the... The honesty, obviously, but also it's just it's classic kind of falling in love, sweet lyrics, which is a little bit different than some of the rest of the album. I love that. The um, it's going to not go through the whole lyrics, but um, every time she sneezes, I believe it's love. It's just just perfect the way he sings it and delivers it. My favorite is these seconds when I'm shaking leave me shuddering for days. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, I, I love the the drop. Is it to E minor as it goes into the pre-chorus? Yep. I, I just think that's so cool. One of my favourite things... I don't know if I should share this. This, this is probably not going to be a good image. Um, a couple of drinks, an acoustic guitar. I'm putting this on really loud and singing and bashing along with it. Probably very out of tune. <laughs> 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 the Jesus. guitar, the guitar. <laughs> Emma, Emma. <laughs> oh, no. I can't believe... Oh, no. You just murdered the whole image oh, I had of that song by no. bashing it out. <laughs> I'll never oh, listen to that no. in the same way again. Oh, <laughs> you did, no. Snogger. Oh, no. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, God, there's going to be a little letter appears next to the podcast now. <laughs> 18. Oh, God. I, I, I don't think I can listen to that in the same light again. Oh, I don't think I can look at Rick in the same light again. And look out if he gets that guitar out. Bashing <laughs> along with the guitar, Brett. Hey? With the guitar. How did you manage that? <laughs> While singing with the album on. Oh, Should we move man. on? Oh, yeah. Please, please. Time and time again. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I think I've said enough times how, how much I love this band. But for me, this is, this is the, the kind of skip track. You know, when I get to this, I, was, I listen to it and I think, oh, I get kind of halfway through and, and skip it through. Yeah, I, 
but but I do love the way Adam sings the the last verse. I think he's is is really cool. But yeah, it it kind of it doesn't it doesn't really go anywhere for me this song. I think I think the verses are great. I I think the song's great because I like all the album, but it's um I think the chorus and maybe the song overall is just a smidge long if I was to be critical. But yeah, oh, don't get me wrong, like nearly every song on this album is 10 out of 10 for me. It's just that this one drops to sort of like Six or seven out of ten. So I thought it, you were going to say nine point nine. No, no, it's <laughs> it's, still, it's still like a really good song, but just compared to the others, I am. Um, I tell you what, I did notice listening again this week to this, thinking, trying to find things that I hadn't noticed before, which was really hard. But um, the organ part in this song's great. Yep, Charlie Gillingham's playing in this just just brilliant. I hadn't really focused on that before, but yeah, that's a real high point of this song. And I thought the guitar part, if you listen to it how much it sounds like Kings of Leon and how much Kings of Leon I think stole it because it's really? when you listen yeah you listen you when you go back to it there's a the tone and the the what, part that just kind of main opening riff it, oh yeah have a listen it's 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 very Kings of Leon Do you I thought think? yeah I'm oh, sorry I'm, I'm going through Kings of Leon songs in my head now that's it's not quiet. so much one of their songs as opposed to the the, the, vibe. the vibe and the part and the sound hmm interesting mm, maybe ah, go and have a listen I will not now no. Um, next up, ranking. Uh, do you, uh, yeah, just brilliant. Yep. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Yep. Like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep going it's, brilliant. I always think whenever I hear this song, it, uh, the times I've seen them live, sometimes they play it as it is on the record. There's usually some kind of ad lib at the end, which you know extends the song into like eight, nine minutes long. Uh, but I saw them once and they came out and started with it, full acoustic. And it was so different, but also so good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love the fact that you never know how they were going to de- deliver it. There's there's a lot of their songs that work equally well, like an acoustic version or a lively electric band version. Yeah. Um, I know it's not the album, and I wasn't going to get sidetracked onto the rest of their stuff. But um, uh, Have You Seen Me Lately off of Recovering the Satellites, the next album, which I love just as much. I love that album too. But that, there's two great versions out. The album, Electric Version, which I think is probably my favourite. And there's a really cool acoustic version that's totally different, totally yeah, different the melodies. the Wire version. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I, and what I love from a drumming perspective in this song is that you have this tight verse and then when it gets to the chorus, the only thing that changes is the hi-hats open up slightly. There's, you could have a a fill going into that chorus you could do something but there's nothing other than just this slight lift of the hats and I think that is so clever the way that that's been delivered and I, f- I find that musically I, I think it's the mandolin in this song that, that I love and David yeah. David Imaglouk am I pronouncing that right? You are yeah, You should have change. brought your mandolin along today Rick it would have been nice to have that's a bit of That's the first time you've ever said that <laughs> <laughs> Bash something out on that Oh God <laughs> Um, oh, I, I love the pre-choruses in this song. Yeah, I love the way it stops. Does does this does he drop out a snare beat? Brett? I yeah, think so. yeah, yeah, somewhere in that. Um, I just think it's really good, kind of like a breather before you get that lovely. Feels like I a deserve a bit more, vibe, isn't it? That kind of harmony that is. It's, this also for me wins the award for best song to sing in the car <laughs> on the album. It's, there's great harmony opportunities. Oh yeah, yeah, love a harmony in the yeah, car. Love, and the last yeah. note of the song. Oh, oh. this yeah. That's possibly the best. Yeah, I was going to say that singing moment on the album. Do you reckon you could? Do you you could deliver that note, Joe? No, I couldn't do it. (laughs) You want to have a go? (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Lyrically, this is this is kind of a cool 
thing as well because the being the rain king or talking about rain is is something that he uses a lot and revisits constantly in lyrics in a really yeah. cool way and and kind of the the foil to that being the the queen of california that crops up a lot as well mm-hmm. throughout his lyrics a bit like maria she she appears as well doesn't yeah. she yeah amazing and I, I think that kind of it almost seems like the title track of the album in a way i know it's not but it's yeah yeah, I, I, I don't know if this was a Himalayan song, but I know there is an early demo of it where, it, again, it is, it's different. It's a fuller, kind of more cure-sounding song. I need to listen to these demos. Um, I'd, I'd love no, to I'll, have to, I'll have to lend mm. them to you. There's, um, um, uh, there is a song called August and Everything After, isn't there? Yeah, well, there was. There is, yeah. That was... I can tell you the nerdy story behind that if, if you're interested. I actually re- researched that as well. You did? I did. Can yes. I check you out with your research? Yeah. <laughs> have you so, written a paper so on it? it? Was, it was a song that Adam was working on, um, and he couldn't nail the piano part right because it's quite a long song and like you know he'd be working on it and working on it and it was i think it was sort of continuous through the recording sessions and then t-bone walked in and heard him um playing raining in baltimore and then he said that's a, that's the piano song for the album get rid of the other one that you've been working on right so, and that's why he stopped working on it oh okay and then it was shelved for i think it was like eight years later they played it they played it at a gig somewhere, just completely out of the blue. And there's there is now a recorded version of it, I think, if on the on the streaming sites. Cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that exact story, so that's and yeah. I've you learned know something else. What August and everything after means? Uh, September. Mm, no. So he was born in August, and the album was basically from the day he was born and everything that happened after. If you didn't oh, know that, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. makes sense. There we go. There we go. Um, just at the just going back to ranking, uh, the the last pre-chorus, the the way he sings the line "Don't try to bleed me," yeah, yeah, is outstanding. I like the um, and I've been thinking, I've been sinking, uh, I've been, been drinking, drinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really good, yeah, really good. Um, next up, Sullivan Street. Oh, song, what a tune! I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something different about Sullivan Street. Uh, no, not something different. It's, I've just said it about um time and time again but the piano in Sullivan Street stood out when I was re-listening to it thinking yeah Charlie Gillingham he's nailing it the piano's perfect in this but the whole song just yeah love it again yeah it's this great great song um, I love the imagery in the verses for, for this song yeah just the walk home yeah and I think this is based isn't it I think he, at the time he was in a relationship with a girl that lived quite a long way away from where he was and so he was doing that kind of commute and I think he re- he was realising as he was writing this song that the relationship wasn't going to work. Were you following him? No. <laughs> he wasn't having a relationship with me. <laughs> well, I, don't, I thought we might have been walking behind just talking. <laughs> no. It's something I've read. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the change of those two chords... Oh, I'm going to sound a bit nerdy now. The two chords are just perfect. The, uh, it's a D chord to a G major 7 in the the verses uh, is just brilliant and then that lift when it does change it just harmonically just works perfectly because you've had so much of those two chords when you do get them and when it drops to the the minor the e minor in it ah it's beautiful and um it's maria mckee isn't it singing back and vocals on this yeah sorry are you all right in there but i I thought he nodded off (laughs) i I, I just banged my pop shield and then my (laughs) nose got really close and i just realized how bad it smelled (laughs) (laughs) It smells uh, like a pair of old tights. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. I was, uh, is that because it is a pair of old I'm tights? I'm not sure, but it's gone right up my nose. 
That's, uh, that spoiled the mood. Sorry. sorry. No, it is Maria McKee that's singing backing vocals, and she had she had a big hit, hadn't she, with "Show Me Heaven." Was that a Pepsi or Coke or? No, I think it was in Days of Thunder. Ah, the Tom Cruise and yeah. Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah, I love that, that film. But, yeah, that was a great song. But yeah, her her backing vocal really does make this chorus, doesn't it? What's mm. the popular cola soundtrack song that I'm muddling that up with? Um, could be anything. Is it First Time? Oh, it might be. I don't, I I don't know who's... I've got an interesting fact about that. Maria McKee, though, or a couple of facts. You have. I have. Did you know she wrote... Uh, what's the Fergal Sharkey song? Uh, a Good Heart. She wrote no, that. I love that song. Yep, she Did wrote that. Did he not write that? Nope, she wrote it. No She's way. written... Lo- uh, she's written loads. Oh, I could have a better one, but I, there's another big hit she wrote for someone else. Oh, I didn't know that. But there you go. Yeah, that's my... Um, mm. yeah, Fergal that's, Sharkey. Yeah. You didn't realise I was going to get Virgil Shark in in this, did you? His his name is funny if you switch the two first letters. Try that one, Brett. Uh, (laughs) Elgulf. Elgulf. You've made a new word up. Did you mean swap the first letters? Elgulf Sharky. (laughs) (laughs) Elgulf. Oh, I do make myself laugh. <laughs> Did you? Do you mean the first letters yeah, of his surname? I do. I do. And his first name. <laughs> yeah, not say something completely random. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, anyway, I've got tears streaming down my face. Uh, d- going back to what you use were your saying, tights to mop them up. There, but <laughs> what you were saying about the chords there, Rick. There's only four chords in this song. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's brilliant, isn't it? Simplicity at its best, really. It's good for when you've had a couple of drinks and you're playing along with an acoustic guitar. It's not a lot to remember. Ooh. Not that I want to bring that up again. Anyway, um, moving on. I love the, right towards the end of this, the line, um, almost everything I need, um, and the way he holds the note with yeah. Maria McKee. But when you listen to his vocal, it sounds like he holds it until he can't sing it anymore. He literally runs out of breath, and you hear that last like exhaling of air. Yeah. is really, really cool. And I think when you know it's, you know, about a relationship that he, he's in and that he knows isn't going to last, but he really loves the person that he's in the relationship with. And when he sings that, it's almost everything I need. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite heartbreaking, really. Yeah. Magic. Mm. Magic. So next track, Ghost Train. So when I first got the album, was listening to this, this would probably be the one, your time, time and time again, this would probably be the one for me. But since then, I listened, listening to the album the million times I have, I, I just love it. I love the chorus, just the simplicity of it. The drums drop out. I mean, how cool is that to take that, you know? You're, you're... It's always a pleasure for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> you always have, you know, it's, it's this thing. You have the verse, you think you're going to get to the chorus, and then suddenly it's like, it's more powerful that the drums aren't there to to, yeah. to let the song build. I, and I, then they I come did... back again, and I just think that's, you know, who would who would do that? And But that you do it, and it's done, and it's it's just... I didn't really connect with this song as much as the others until I saw it, saw them do it live. And um, I've got this really strong image now of, of seeing Adam Jewett stood right on the lip of the stage, like um, holding out his hand saying, hey, how do you do? And the way he explained about, you know, the ghosts and, you know, p- people that, you know, you, you, you meet in life are, are like ghosts, aren't they? They come and go. Um, and it was it just really connected with me having seen them do it live. Mm. So I, now when I listen back to it, I always have that that mental image. So I don't I really think I've it. seen 
this song. I've seen no, them do this song live. That must have been the live. gig where Brett didn't have an argument with someone in the car. <laughs> it wasn't that gig. <laughs> it was a different gig. Um, Raining in Baltimore. Oh, what can oh, I say? Just, just beautiful, isn't it? Piano, vocal, just absolutely stunning. I think if I was going to play this song to someone who'd never heard them before, uh, or this album, this would be the song I'd probably choose to try and get them connected to. I think, well, this Mr. Jones all around, all around here. Maybe this. Yeah. When I, I remember really vividly listening to this on cassette, this album, the first time I heard it, and I, and I sat and listened to it, and I was, I was doing homework or something like that. Um, and it was after you'd found found out about them via Emma. All right. And uh, oh, I, <laughs> I had the cassette on, and uh, you know, I was listening through and, and really enjoying it. And then this song started, and that first, the circus is falling. And it was just like, what is this? This is amazing. And I listened to it probably five or six times. I just kept rewinding I've, the cassette back just to hear this song. It, I, it, I did just, exactly the same, probably however long it was before you got into them, that I did the same thing when I got to this or when I heard this song. I was like, oh, here, I again. couldn't and believe again, it. And, and I, again. As soon as it got to the end, I couldn't wait to hear it again. And I, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And even now when I listen to it, and it is one of my go-to Counting Crows songs. It does leave a lump in the throat. It gives me that same feeling every single time. When it, I'm sad when it ends because I want to hear it again. Oh, it's truly special when you find a song that you just want to listen to again and yeah. then again and then again. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that and, it, and also, I think I remember really liking the song Desperado by the Eagles when I was younger. <laughs> and I obviously heard that as a kid. And there's something about this song. That I think the vocal and the piano and maybe the melody as well that ties it to Desperado. I've never thought of yeah. I've never looked those two listen, together Listen before. to Desperado and then listen to Rainy yeah, no, Baltimore. Not, there, yeah. There's a connection there. I don't I don't know what it is. It's the piano and vocal, I think. It's got to be, isn't it? I, I'm not job, sure. Man. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just something, some weird thing that's in my head, but I love this song. It's, it's yep. amazing. Yeah. And lyrically, just perfect. Yep. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. And made such a connection to this, listening to it and just, yeah. I found the whole album and the whole, obviously the album, everything about it, but lyrically so inspiring. The album, the lyrics on the album are probably one of my favourite, if not the most favourite album for lyrics. Yeah, I agree. It's hard not to, I mean, a lot of people listen to albums and, and don't really, oh, what was that about? And I don't, don't really listen to the lyrics, but you can't not listen to this album without being drawn into everything that he's talking about because every line is, you believe what he's saying, the way that he, he delivers it. Yeah, it's just and it's just memorable. You just walk away remembering lines and words and stuff just because it's so so powerful. Mm. Um, so the album rounds off with "Murder of One." I love this. It's Again, a, it's a great intro, and I think after "Raining in Baltimore" as well, when you know you obviously get the guitar effect thing, and then when the band kicks in, tremolo. Yeah, it, ju- it just gives you that kind of uplifting feeling that you kind of need yeah. after "Raining in Baltimore." Mm-hmm. And as gear shifts through the whole song, isn't there? It just sort of like you think, oh, where's it going to go now? And it goes up another gear, it goes, and then it drops, and it goes up, and then builds and builds. And and again, I'm going to do. This, sorry, I'm going to talk about the lyrics again. But the way that there's there's so much reflection and on the album in general, and you get to this point in the album when he just repeats, "Don't waste your life, baby. Don't waste your life, baby." I I, I quite like the upness a little bit of that at the end of the album. That little bit of brightness in the lyrics, a little bit of hope. Yeah. I like that. I really yeah. like that. I love the, the bass and drum groove in the verses of this as well. There's an interesting fact about this song, relevant to us, which you two, of course, know. Is This is the first song we played together on stage as a band, I think. No, it's not. 
Oh, that, that was <laughs> my answer. Just me and my facts, isn't <laughs> it? It's not an interesting fact. All right, then That's forget that. Then scrub that. I never said that. It was Take a Counting Crow song. Was it? It was Miami. Oh, God. At the you drift, see, I know more about them than in Cornwall, St. Agnes. I know more Where about... Queen played their first yeah. ever gig. Did they really? Yeah, they did. That was their first Driftwood. gig. Driftwood. Did they do a Counting Crow song first? Yeah, they did ranking. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? And... um. Have you got anything else you want to add about Murderer One? Oh, just it, it, just the placement of it. You think you know because it's the most upbeat song in the album. You think, oh, why put it at the end? Why not put you know you're raining Baltimore at the end or something like that? But it, like I think Rick said, it just you it gives you that at the end of the album after that the song before. It's just a nice little way of tailing off and. Putting, I think putting I think I think if it had ended uh, with raining in Baltimore, you would kind of not be left feeling yeah, a bit empty, sad. but yeah. A bit melancholy, whereas I think Murderer One does give you that little bit of a boost um, that I think you kind of need. And again, the live versions, which for me, I, st- I heard it on um, Across the Wire to start with the um, the double live album they did. The live val- uh, versions of this are, are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Great. Yeah, and they really it are. Extended it, it and it really added something to it, which you often, yeah, it just brings There's a lot of energy. They, they put a lot of energy into the live versions. Yeah. Which is, yeah, really cool. I, w- I will say... Um, there's some there's some great outtakes from this album. There's some great songs that they were working on um, that are in the demos that, that weren't included on, on this album. Yeah. Which you, you two should definitely look up. One of which is Einstein on the Beach. I know that. Which Ooh. I think they, they they added on films about ghosts the, the best of years later. But it's really good. It's a really upbeat song. And the other one that I really love is called We're Only Love. Oh, I don't know that now, one. For me, that that would have slotted in where time and time again is and just made it almost like a, a 10 out of 10 album. And you don't like time and time again, do you? No, I do. I do like it. But when you hear we're only love, you think, Oh, I need to go and hear only, that now. If only. So, right. Okay. Look them up. Yeah. I, I, well, the first thing I'm going to do is go and look at that live version of round here again. I need to do that. I just want to go and listen to counting crows all day now. Just, just <laughs> amazing. Aren't they? We're um, big fans. Yeah. I think that's come across, hasn't it? In this, well, um, have we managed to not overrun completely and just talk about Cannon Crows in general? We have a bit, haven't we? We have. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really good to talk about an album, though, that we're all, the three of us all agree are, is an amazing album. And, and I think we've, all of us. We, we've all taken inspiration from this album in our own instruments. Do you know what I mean? I think. I certainly have. I've, I've I learned so much from this. I think, I think mm-hmm. Jodie is a singer. I think you, I can always hear, you know, influences from this. In, in, yeah. in your delivery sometimes I do yeah I think when I'm considering something if it's a line that's not coming easy it's it's, it's one of my default what mm. would Adam do what would Adam do, do? Yeah. how would Adam sing this I knew so. you were going to say that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other cool. favourite is what would Eddie do but that'll yeah. come up sooner, <laughs> sooner somewhere else yeah. won't it uh, yes. um, yeah it's brilliant I don't I don't know if it's um. I love the guitar player I love the subtlety of it I don't know as a guitar player whether it's a there's nothing wrong. I love the guitar playing and I love all the moments of it, but it's more just in general and Adam Durrett's and the lyrics and his emotions. I think, I think anyone that's better. a songwriter can't not be affected by this album. Yeah. In, you know, know. in particular. Yeah. But his, his, his lyric writing on this is, is amazing. This, this brought back a sort of change for me with music rather than just listening to music and listening to the guitars or, or whatever. And just music, it became, music became more important not because of Counting Crows and this album. I think this was the start of, music really connecting with me on an emotional level yeah, yeah i think i would go with that yeah i agree 
Yeah. Should we round up by um favorite track of the album? Each of us. I, I can't do it. I don't, don't think I, I don't do think it. I could. Really I don't. I can, but it's like uh, this is a knife in the back kind of like. <laughs> what's your favorite song? Um, mine would be "Raining in Baltimore," only because it hit me so hard. Um, but the others did too. So. Yeah, I'll maybe Anna begins for me. Maybe Ooh, I can't. I Just... can't do it. I can't do it. Mm. Can't do it. Okay. Or I could. I've, I'd. Mm, Rainy in Baltimore, Murder One, had Round to, Here, or oh, Mr. Jones. Um, yeah, yeah. Anna you, begins. That's half the album. He's gonna yeah, name yeah. them I can't, all. I can't do it. I can't He's do it. He's gonna name them all. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, should we round it up? And yeah, well, I've got a knife in my back, so I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please check out our band, Damn the Wolves. Find us at damnthewolves.com and please follow us on all the usual socials. <laughs>